What is up, everyone? And welcome back. Show about sports. I'm your host, Griffin Proc, as normal. And thank you for clicking on this episode. A lot of fun topics we're going to go over today. All of this is based off of one of the other content creators in the space, well-respected Bill Simmons. If you don't follow his stuff, I think you should. Great commentator specifically on the NBA, but also in other sports as well. And other topics in general. And I watched one of his YouTube videos the other day, and he, he went over this little six-pack for six topics. It was sponsored by Michelob Ultra Beer. One on, I was like, that's a creative idea. I'm not sponsored by any beer brand or anything, but I always say cheers at the end of my podcast for those that listen to the end. So I thought, why not? There's so much going on. There's the lull with the NBA kicking back up with the All-Star game. NFL is over. College basketball is in swing. College football, recruiting, you know, next steps, playoffs, everything is in the news. So I wanted to just do my own six things. It won't be the six things that he did. It'll be a whole different show. So if you watch that, don't click off of this because I'm not just going to regurgitate what he's already said. But, you know, what is it? What do they call copying is the sincerest form of flattery. So Bill Simmons, if you land on this, I just appreciate your uh, your ideas. So and last but not least, before we jump into things here, thank you to everyone that's been supporting me on threads. As always, this is that's kind of my sponsor of this is everybody on threads. The threads platform has been a great place. If you're not on it already, go follow me, Griffin underscore proc and everybody else on the platform. You'll have a great time talking with a great, a, a bunch of talking heads in the sports space, as well as a bunch of community members that just love talking ball. So without further ado though, I know you didn't click on this to listen to me intro all the time. Let's jump into my six things today, huh? All right. Cheers, everyone. Let's kick this thing off, and just so you know, I'm not even drinking a beer on this. Kind of feeling a little under the weather, so no beer is actually being drank on this, but maybe, hey, maybe in a future episode here. But topic one, you probably saw it in the headline here. The Bears drafting uh, Caleb Williams or keeping Justin Fields, trading away the pick at that point. I think this is going to be a continuing storyline until the Bears definitively make a statement and today when this was being recorded we'll see that justin fields went on a podcast one of those player pods with the sound saint brown brothers and he was sounding off about how he's ready for this stuff to be over and he once again said like i'd love to remain a bear but when you say this stuff like i'd love this stuff to be over i think that kind of proves what's coming around the corner here so in my opinion i think he will be traded uh, I think there's a lot of teams that would take his services, and I think the Bears uh, should draft Caleb Williams with the first pick, and not not for the reason that I think a lot of you know. So my viewpoint on all this is a single viewpoint, and I've seen some other people talk about this as well. And if you listen to Joel Klatt, I'm like low-key shouting out everyone here, Joel Klatt also believes in this narrative as well. So two great minds think alike. Think about it this way. Justin Fields has, you know, been on his rookie deal for a little bit of time now. We've seen ups and downs, more downs, I would say, than ups. And I think we're finding his ceiling uh, as a quarterback. And Williams is fresh out of college, going to be, is being unfairly compared to Patrick Mahomes. I think that's only going to hurt him because if he's not Patrick Mahomes, we're always going to call him a bust. But he is a sensational prospect. So would you rather draft a new prospect on a rookie deal, then roll the dice with Fields for another season and then have to re-sign him to a max contract, essentially, in the NFL for the QB market. I think it all comes down to that. Just contracts. How do teams get good? They get good by having their QBs on rookie deals. Think about 
how the Chargers felt and Joe Burrow and with the with the Bengals and whatnot and even in those uh Russell Wilson era when we go back to when he was on the Legion of Boom you're able to really build out your team when your QB is on a rookie deal so I think it's as simple as that restart the process with the quarterback that might be a little bit more NFL ready and higher upside and I think it's just better and this is not a knock on fields i I don't see if this wasn't in the Bears situation, I would keep fields and just keep, you know, run it back and see what you can do. But that's kind of my viewpoint overall in the news. And I think a lot of people are kind of missing that point and more jumping towards like, oh, well, Caleb has these red flags as a QB prospect and fields was, you know, gaining some traction, all of which can be true, but it comes, it's a business at the end of the day. And I think for both sides, this would be the best case scenario. And another thing to kind of think about people are throwing around, well, the Bears need so much, so many other things. Yes, but where do you always start? Like, you don't see the Chargers being like, I wish we had all those other things we need. They're so glad they have Justin Herbert. You know, Joe Burrow, you know, and the Bengals are like, we need so many other things, offensive line help, maybe some more defense, et cetera, to take that step. But they're not ever saying, like, I wish we d- didn't have Burrow, you know? And I don't even know if that's a really good argument to be making until we see Caleb Williams play a little bit, but. I, it's the first pick. We're not taking a gamble on a you know a second round quarterback here. This is the highly touted Caleb Williams coming out of the coming into the NFL. And so, think about it this way as well. Interest in Fields overall has been low. I think this deal would have been done by now if it was higher. But I think a lot of people are waiting for the Bears to make a decision. But I think the phone has been ringing about that first pick, as in teams wanting to slide in and get Caleb Williams. People would rather take a risk, I think, on Caleb Williams than Justin Fields because of the tape we've seen versus the tape we haven't seen. It's kind of like that hidden gen, like, what's in the treasure box? Like, it could be great. We already know what we have with Fields. There's definitely still room to grow, but why not take that? Why not take that little risk? So with that type of stuff, there's teams out there. I think it'll be great for both parties. I think Justin Fields deserves a fresh start because where he was drafted and how bad the Bears have been, I think... This is going to open up, you know, Justin Fields a little bit. I think the Steelers, I think I, the Seahawks, maybe I like, I'm a Seahawks fan. I'm not sold. I would rather not take that route and maybe take a rookie QB roll with Geno some more, Drew Locke, et cetera. But I think it's just good for both parties to, to move on. I don't think Justin Fields is by any means a backup quarterback, but again, would you like a rookie QB on a rookie contract so that you can pay for everything else that you want and you don't have to give up your defense like you had to do the other year? So just think about that when you think about a topic there. It's going to keep buzzing. I swear I'm trying to get this episode out actually because it could happen any day now with the new season coming right around the corner in March. So keep your head on a swivel there. Okay, topic two. Get a get some feedback from some people saying this isn't the show about sports. This is a show about football. Well, I find a little bit more comfort in football as I'm able to follow it a little bit more. The seasons is a little bit easier to follow, and I have a, a team, you know, the Seahawks. But in the NBA, I don't have a team because the Sonics decided to leave us and go to Oklahoma City, and now they're living their great life. Oh, I can only imagine how much fun that must be. But That's why I want to throw in a little bit of basketball here because I do watch and talk about it all the time as well and just haven't had the time to talk about basketball yet since it's been so heavy NFL season. So topic two, you might have seen this on threads for anyone that was out there. But my question is, 
are the Cavs this year's kings of last year? You know what I mean? The kings of last year, the the two or three seed in the West, best offense in the Western Conference. I think best conference in the in terms of efficiency rating in the NBA last year. Something we all got a little bit excited about, specifically Kings fans, but me as an NBA fan, it's always fun to see a new team kind of enter the fold. But then we got, they, they then lost to Steph Curry and the Warriors in the first round. Do, do I feel like that's going to happen with the Cavs? I don't want to speak it into existence, but I think we might be trending that way, and here's why. Okay, let's talk about the team makeups first. That's the only place to really start. I like to do... And I know this is such a simple way to start things, but I like to do the trophy metric. Could you imagine the team standing at the podium at the end of the year holding up a trophy? And again, it's not finals or bust, but if you're going to be the two seed in the East, I think your expectations should be a little bit higher since you were able to prove during the regular season consistency. So do I think Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, Mobley, Garland, some of them banged up, Max Struess, that crew holding up the trophy? Not necessarily. Not after last year's performance, too, with essentially the same roster. And that's what I felt about with the Kings last year. I was like, I, I like De'Aaron Fox. I really like Sabonis. I think he's underrated. I like Barnes. I like Monk. But where's that 1A guy? We have like a 1B, 1C guys in Fox and Donovan Mitchell. And again, I think they're underrated. But are they the Giannis's, the Curry's, the KD's of the NBA? Unfortunately, no. And I think that's fair to say. And then you look at the great pieces of the team because that's their stars. And then you look at the great pieces and you think, okay, okay, we got Allen, Mobley, Garland, all of which health concern is just the biggest thing. And with Mobley, is he going to take that step as that big man that people were, for whatever reason, doing redrafts and saying that's the first overall pick after a couple good you know plays as rookie season it's kind of the same way I feel about Sabonis Barnes and Monk I love those pieces but I love those pieces playing next to you know Giannis and playing next to Curry and playing next to Anthony Davis and LeBron I would I would like them next to the one A's not on their own I think that's what makes their team great is that they all can find their spots and there isn't one budding star. I mean, Donovan Mitchell does like the ball a lot, but you know what I mean? When you think about the trophy and you think about the makeup of the team, does it really feel like a two seed in the East? The record shows, so can't say that uh, that's wrong at this point in time. Okay, and then here's another similarity of these two teams. They're both good at one thing. The Cavs are top five, sometimes playing with number one defense in the NBA in terms of efficiency rating. The Kings, like I said last year, were playing with efficiency on the offensive side last year as number one. So they're really good at one area, but their other area isn't even top 10. And I'm going to be honest with you, I need to see top 10 or close to top 10. I don't have the pro reference actual numbers up near me, but I'm pretty sure the Kings defense last year was like almost in the 20s and the Cavs offense isn't even in the top 10 this year. So it just worries me if they get into a game where they're not allowed to play their style or they run into an unfavorable matchup, that's that's going to like implode internally in a seven game series, especially with a team that might have more veterans. Speaking of that, think about the sleeper veteran teams in the Eastern Conference this year. 
just like the Warriors were last year. Nobody can ever write off the Warriors, and anybody that's writing them off this year is just being silly because when they're right, they're right. I don't want to see Steph Curry. I don't even want to see Draymond, even if he's like, I don't want to see Draymond because he might be throwing an elbow or two, but I just don't want to see that team in a playoff setting. Think about the sleeper veteran teams that could be in the path of a two seed. You think about the 76ers sliding while Embiid is hurt. They might fall into the plane. You think about the Heat that have just been eh all year. They're definitely going to be in the plane from all accounts. And I think those matchups that could be a 7-8 are not ideal for them. Are They're just not. I would rather... I would choose a game where Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Hawkes as the rookie against the Cavs. I would choose the 76ers because of Embiid and Maxi over the Cavs. And so you see what I mean? Those, those veteran teams, and I say veteran because there's a bunch of pieces on the teams, um, but just those teams that have those 1A stars that can come alive and they just have a little bit more star power across the board. So those veteran matchups really do scare me across the board on that and then when you go that kind of like leads into my last point of this one think about the head-to-head matchups when you're just going down the line and you're like him or him him or him who would you take would you after jimmy butler's season last year i think i'm still taking jimmy butler over donovan mitchell in the playoffs because of what i know jimmy butler can do and that's saying something with i know what donovan mitchell can do in the playoffs he's had huge games Am I taking Bam Adebayo or am I taking a maybe healthy Jared Allen, maybe healthy Mobley? I'm taking Bam Adebayo. He's just proven it time and time again that he's consistent and will be healthy when when it matters. So that's kind of my reasoning on the Cavs. I just want, I think the excitement's going to start to build because they've been so under the radar that watch as we get to the playoffs, people are going to start talking about them. Like, are they a real threat? And I just don't see them holding up a trophy. I think that shouldn't be their indicator of success this year. I know their fans will think that way. I know the media will think that way. I think a second round appearance would be a success for the Cavs. But if you're going to be a two seed, yeah, it's going to be harder to you know avoid that kind of criticism. So that's topic two here. Now we got did some NFL, did some NBA. Topic three, let's go to the college football. Let's go back to that. You know, it's the offseason for that as well. Players are moving around, transfers, portals, new coaches. It's a madhouse down there. You know what else is a madhouse is the new news. 12-team playoff confirmed. We already knew that. But what we didn't know is how they were going to judge those teams, essentially telling everyone, here's how we're going to pick those 12. It's going to be a five-by-seven model. It's going to be the five highest-ranking conference champions and then seven highest-ranking at-large bids. Now, that's pretty (laughs) open for interpretation, even though it should be really simple, because the the five highest conferences, ranked conferences, it used to be the Power Five, and that's what we could have assumed if the Pac-12 stayed together. But now the Pac-12 is not together, but the Cougs and the Beavers are playing as the Pac-12. They're technically a conference. Unfortunately, I can save everybody the worry. They're not going to be in conversation for making the college football playoffs. But let's say a Mountain West team comes alive. Let's say Boise State reignites that flame. It makes their way back to a big bowl game. That's going to be interesting Interesting to talk about 
where there's kind of two conferences playing each other. They're affiliates of each other. I don't even know how to even begin starting with that, but there is four power conferences. So you can expect one from each of those, and then that's where we get to play with another conference. I don't know how they're going to do, you know, like Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame has an affiliation with the ACC, but I'm interested to see if they are going to like pull in like a Tulane or somebody like that from a, you know, Atlantic Coast Conference and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting to see nevertheless. And this isn't even set in stone as this is what's going to be for the future. You should think of this as a test overall, this 12 team playoff in this format, because I know there was a deal put in place where they're going to be having it till 2031, but the principle of the idea was approved, but not the actual financials and everything to do with the nitty gritty business side of it have. So think of this as if this doesn't go well, they can pivot on a dime and the bigger conferences are going to have the say, say the big 10 kind of gets snubbed or the sec gets snubbed in this way we could see changes happen really fast as I don't think the NCAA and specifically college football wants to lock itself into this new way until they work out all the kinks and they want to be able to move on a dime depending on what the people like. What I think people aren't going to like and something I think we should look out for. And somebody did call this out on one of the threads I posted the other day. So shout out to you. I can't remember, but I'm sorry. It was a great call out. I do not want to see rematch like, matchups again from teams that have already played each other think about you know the rivals within conferences i don't want to see that like in the first round especially if they just play each other in the conference championship but their rankings line up to where one of them's the conference champion and then the next one is the say they're the fifth conference champion so they won't get an automatic buy in the first round because there are only be four buys in a 12 round playoff and then they have to play their their team again, like a Michigan-Ohio State, for example. That would just be so random. And nobody would want that. I mean, people would want that in the sense that it's probably going to be a good game. But I'd rather see that later in the playoffs or put them on opposite sides of the bracket than right away. So it's going to be weird to see how they determine who the seven at-large bids are. Because I know they're probably saying, yep, it's going to be five. And then it's going to be the next seven. So if you're the 13th ranked team, you're not making it. But... Let's be honest. What if there's two lower conference teams and there's two Big Ten teams sitting at 13 and 14? I think we're going to start. The committee is going to be open because it's still a committee at the end of the day. It's not. This did not make it cut and dry, just like making it four teams didn't make it cut and dry. So we are back to working with numbers of four with uh, five power conferences, even though there are four power conferences now. So that is topic three. And that kind of wraps up the first three of this uh, of this podcast episode here. The last three I will do right after this break. Just going to you know drink a little water, not beer, but cheers to anybody that's uh, playing along. And uh, we'll just get, jump right back into things here in a minute. All righty, topic number four. Oh, man, we've all seen the news. We know what this one is. Is Dak worth $60 million a year? Dak Prescott? quarterback of the Cowboys is he the one that's going to reset the market from Joe Burrow who just recently set the market at 55 million uh, this past season it's been a hot topic and I know the media is going to be buzzing about this until it gets done but here's the thing it might not get done till September so let me kind of go over the options here that the Cowboys have that Dak has 
that the fans have <laughs> in terms of being able to calm their nerves or be excited depending on how you feel about Dak Prescott. I want to be fair about Dak Prescott. He had his best season of his career, an MVP-like season. He was in that discussion. And so just remember that. In terms of contract negotiation, he played like he was in a contract negotiation. Now, remember, he doesn't need to get paid this year. But the cap hit, if he doesn't, is massive. The cap hit is almost $60 million. I'm pretty sure it's like $59 million if they let him play out his last year on this deal. So option one is to extend him right now. Extend him right now. Be able to contract, move the contract around based on future payments to not have to deal with the cap space issues right now. Think of like a Shohei Otani deal where they're deferring all their payments till the cow comes home way later in the future. The bell is going to ring at one point for the Cowboys. They have a lot of good players that are going to want to get paid, but this helps you get those other players paid. You just you make the salary small for now, but you know, say you sign another five-year contract, you're going to have to pay them in 2030 some insane amount of cash. But with that option, you probably have to pay them at the top of the market unless he agrees to not being at the top of the market. Because if I'm Dak, I'm taking home all the money that I can. Every quarterback that's been signed that's been at the high level, a.k.a. playoff quarterback, has gotten the top of the market. So why shouldn't Dak? You could say, yeah, it's his second contract. I don't want to pay him that much. You're not worth that much at that age. Sure. Do that then. As Cowboys, you can do that. Just let him let him go. But you're then relying on the future. Is the future Trey Lance? Is it a quarterback in this draft? I really don't know, but I think Jerry wants to win. He's really good at lip service, but I think he wants to win. And when I say Jerry, I mean Jerry Jones, the owner of the team. So that's option one. Get it done now. Let's land on a number before that number keeps going up inevitably, but the cap will continue to go up as well. Option two, delay this till September. Essentially shifting the base salary to a bonus structure. And they've been doing this his whole time. Dak's been here the whole time to allow yourself to have contract space this offseason to re-sign some guys or extend some guys. Say C.D. Lamb, Micah Parsons, whoever name name a player that you want to extend gives you the space to be able to make the team around him around Dak and then decide come September whether you want to roll with Dak with this team for the future or. If you're going to let this next contract ride out, I mean, let this existing contract ride out. So that kind of goes, I think that's the best way forward. Delay the inevitable. Cause if you're going to sign Dak, why not not sign him and see what other pieces you can bring in to see if deferring it helped. It only helps the Cowboys business out of it. And it helps Dak as well, because then he can, you know, be like, Oh yeah, bring in who you can off the free agent market. And also, you know, re-sign the guys that we want to keep happy, even though he's one of the guys you want to keep happy. But then if they don't decide to sign him and <laughs> re-extend him, I should say, in September, it's time to roll. You're rolling with Dak for the season, but he could even have more leverage where he will throw out his no-trade clause. He'll be angry the whole season. 
He'll be looking, you know, different directions all year. He might get traded mid-year. I, I don't know. I, I would expect more end of the year, but think of a disgruntled negotiation ending and kind of a poor breakup for a run for the Cowboys that has been, let's just say, successful. Not every team can win <laughs> the Super Bowl, but I know Cowboys fans just ripped off their headphones. And they're like, I can't listen to this guy. But you know what I mean? I don't know which way this is going to go, but I don't know what choices the Cowboys have other than rolling with Dak some more, unless they're gung-ho on moving up in the draft, taking a Michael Penix, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy to take over. But outside of those guys, and then obviously the top three, Drake May, Caleb Williams, and Jane Daniels, I think those are the five QBs that are going to make it out of this draft class. I don't know, maybe uh, Joe Milton might be, I'm just going to continue to call that out as a potential as he's got that raw ability. But that's topic four. Is Dak Prescott worth $60 million a year? I'm I'm saying no, but that's how the market works. $60 million is going to be what the rookies of next are going to be making, and it's going to be like it's nothing. So if you can get past that part of it, and the ca- and understand that the cap should rise, not that it will rise. That's you know how it's going to be. I don't know. I'm just it's a, it's a thought exercise for everyone, but I kind of wanted to walk everyone through the options that they have. All right, topic five. Another new sport of the day. We're going to college basketball. I love college basketball, and I also hate college basketball. It NBA. It, there's clear narratives. There's clear good teams. There's not a lot of upsets. There's a lot more games. There's a lot, but those teams, you know, are really good. And the college basketball this year, unlike any other year, and I'm saying this out of my viewpoint. I'm your average twenty something guy. So tell me if I'm wrong here, but does it feel like a lot of upsets have happened this year? I'm not talking like number four beat number one. I'm talking unbeat like unranked teams taking care of top five teams or taking care of anybody in the rankings or the ranking system messed up are we ranking the wrong teams for too long so then they're they look like upsets but they're not really upsets i don't know but good luck trying to make sense of college basketball is this topic good luck and when i say good luck i mean good luck to the men's side because the women's side has been awesome this year let's talk about that for a second they have been the marker of consistency in terms of the top teams, specifically the South Carolina women's team. They won back two years ago now under Don. It's just insane. I saw this stat the other day. They have just set the new record for 43 straight regular season SEC wins without a loss. That's insane. That as, as a college fan, I'm a Coug fan, as most of you know, was WSU, uh, Washington State University. If the Huskies beat me 43 times in a row in something, I would go crazy. Like, that's insane. Not that they just beat one team in a row that many times, but if they ran through our conference 43 times, like if they did what they did in college football last year and went undefeated and did that for like four seasons in a row, I'd be losing my head. <laughs> I, that's an insane stat line. They're 25-0 and 0 this year, looking to win it all. Uh, LSU won last year. Will uh, SC be able to jump back in? I mean, they should be the favorites at this point. Another great point that everybody's been talking about is Kalen Clark. 
greatest scorer not only in women's college basketball history but on track to be in all of college basketball history like ever (laughs) that's insane she uh is now getting talked about as one of the greatest athletes of all time for women's college basketball and i want to pump the brakes on that because i think it's unfair to just look right in the in the present and forget about the past it's kind of like you know when lebron was dominating we're like all right he's the greatest of all time or patrick Mahomes is dominating all right He's the greatest of all time. And we're just completely disregarding history with Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. She's incredible. Don't get me wrong. She's got that Steph Curry effect where her offensive shooting is unreal. Like it's like Jimmer Fredette too. If anybody watched him back at BYU, you're just like pulling up from no man's land and just drilling. It should be called no woman's land. It was insane. And I think that's awesome. But her, her defense is a little bit to be desired. She's not, you know, the biggest person out there in the world for the women's league. And so I think in terms of maybe most electric scorer of all time, I'd give you that. But let's just remember the greats that have come before us and kind of my personal favorite on the women's side that if I had to choose who I think is the greatest ever in terms of just raw skill, talent, it's not just accolades for me. I got to go with Maya Moore. Remember Maya Moore on UConn? Those years with Maya Moore, she was, I was watching highlights today before recording this to make sure that my memory was correct. She's scoring everywhere, and she's playing defense. It, not that Caitlin Clark doesn't play defense, but you know what I mean? Like, she has that perfect, it's like LeBron James where she's the perfect size and can do it all in the game. So, shout out to Maya Moore. Miss watching her play at UConn and just in the WNBA in general. It's just awesome to see what the women's game is doing right now. And Caitlin Clark definitely should get a title under her belt. I think that would really help people saying greatest of all time. She might be the greatest shooter of all time. Uh, and excited to see if she decides to go to the WNBA or stay another year. I mean, with NIL, you might be able to make more money in college. So it's worth a, worth a, worth a thought to stay, especially in the state of Iowa where they love you. So good luck making sense of college basketball. I'd keep your eyes more on the women's game because it's a little bit more consistent. You can find the good teams with the men's side. UConn just got the first unanimous number one overall ranking this year in week 15 of the year and then loses in an upset style to Creighton. All due respect to Creighton. They're a great team as well, but they're not the number one team who just got all of the votes to be the number one team and then immediately loses it. Like, that's what I'm saying. What are we doing, college basketball? You're freaking me out i don't know how to judge the game who's good who's not etc rant over topic six it's time to win one right now i'm talking about the nba here it feels like there's a lot of teams and iterations of teams or adjustments to existing teams that need to win now or change now there can only be one winner. That's the the important thing to remember. But it feels like these teams have had the bare bones of something for a while and need to get one or some bigger changes might happen. Now those teams are only five teams in my list. It's the Celtics, the Clippers, the 76ers, Mavericks, and Suns. Now they're all for various reasons, but you kind of get the gist of what I'm saying. The Clippers won all in with Kawhi and uh, PG, added piece, pieces like Russell and Harden. 
the Celtics went all in with Jalen Brown and uh, uh, what did I say? J- yeah, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They also picked up Porzingis, Holiday, Derek White. We can't have all these great players forever. We've made these adjustments to win now, so it's time to win one. Now, if I was thinking about those two teams, I think those two are the best ready to win this year, and I, I, if I had to put money down on it, I would put those two as the finals uh, contenders. But think about the 76ers and the Mavericks. They have Luka and Embiid, two great stars who are looking for that next piece. They have Kyrie and Maxi running mates with them, but not enough pieces to write home about where you're like, I'm really confident in these teams. And, you know, injuries don't help on Embiid's side, and Luka's defense has yet to be desirable. But they're going to get unhappy. They're going to want to move. They're going to want to search for that legacy piece, more Embiid probably than Luka in terms of age. So I'm interested to see why certain they like made some moves but not a ton for both of those teams this season but it feels like it's this season or or the next season is going to be the same narrative and that's the same with the suns kd and i mean booker really has been there his whole career kd has come in trying to ring chase here team up with booker and now beals joining the race there it's another one of those super team formations where this can't stay around forever and you can't build much around it so It's time to win now or we're going to have to make some quick changes, I would imagine. So those are my teams that I think it's time to win one, right? And these are the teams that I didn't mention because I feel like they, they first of all, have had recent wins. And when I say recent, it can go back a couple of years. So they're not as desperate. So it's like the Lakers, the Warriors, the Bucks, the Nuggets, teams like that. I don't think the fan base is dying for another title i mean i'd be dying for any any amount of titles but you can sleep good at night knowing that within the last five years you've won one and so those teams are not as much even with their iterations of the team like we're talking about the bucks keeping Giannis happy with the dame moving whatnot i don't think it's as as pressing as pressing because of the recency of the title now, and these are the then the next teams on my list are just those teams that have more room to grow. I don't think they're finals winners ready. I, it's the Thunder, Timberwolves, Cavs, Knicks, Pelicans, Kings. I just don't think they have what it takes to win it all. I think out of that list, the Thunder and the Timberwolves have the best case. Um, but even them, it's a tough Western Conference. I mean, gosh, I wouldn't want to play. Most of those teams I just mentioned were on the Western Conference. I wouldn't want to play anybody. I wouldn't even want to play myself in the West. So, you know what I mean? That's my last topic. I think that's going to be a topic as we head more into this postseason push, which teams need to win it. And I think the Celtics, Clippers, 76ers, Mavericks, Suns are on that list. Now, that wraps up the pod today. Six topics, six beers. Didn't drink a single beer, though. But I just wanted to do six things. It was a funny little topic there. And shout out to everybody that has listened this far. And shout out to everybody on Threads again. Because I know people that are listening this far are probably friends and family. And everybody on Threads. So shout out to everyone there. Uh, It's been a great time recording this. Glad to be back in the saddle here as we took a little break after the Super Bowl. More content on the way. Let me know if you want to be on the podcast shout out to people that have reached out to me about being on their podcast i'm excited to jump on and talk sports with more of a group setting there so only room to grow here in the sports space and shout out to everyone 
everywhere that listens to this as I ramble my outro once again and just can't just can't hang up the phone. So as I do with all my podcasts, everybody have a great rest of your week, great weekend, and uh, cheers.